Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm so glad to welcome you right here to this edition of the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. And I've got great news for you today about a problem so many of us are having when we're shopping online. There's a new disclosure law that's going to prevent the way Amazon and Walmart and other retailers hide who the real seller is of the goods you're buying on Amazon.com, Walmart.com, and other websites. It's called the Informed Consumers Act. Now, in effect, there are going to be retailers that don't comply as they should with the law, but you are going to know now, you should be able to know right now, what's going on with who you're actually buying from. I want to tell you an ugly thing about Amazon shopping there straight ahead, and I want to talk to you about something else, long-term care coming up later how cost prohibitive long-term care can be. And the prices have been going up, 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 and away. What can you do? It's one of those things most of us ignore till the time comes. Planning in advance, really smart. So under the Inform Act, it's going to tell you, or at least an online retailer is supposed to tell you, very clearly who you're actually buying from. Is there a difference in the rights you have for returns, refunds, and exchanges, depending on who you're buying from? I want to give you a special warning on Amazon that this ties right into. You know, you'll look at something for sale on Amazon, and a lot of people are buying on Amazon on their phone. And they'll have an item they want to buy, and they see it, and they just click. All right, now this is a way, as we've heard from so many people, their wallet's really gotten hurt because there'll be third-party sellers selling a brand name item on Amazon and living off people who just click and don't notice that the price can be 10, 20, 30 times the actual retail price for that item. And they're living just off the small number of people who don't see the price before they go to purchase. Be aware of this. And when you see private label stuff being sold on Amazon from who knows what retailer, two things could be happening. One, it could be stolen merchandise being disposed of by a third-party seller on Amazon or eBay. Or two, it could be a third-party seller that bought private label goods could be a Kirkland signature item or member's mark or any store brand, they could be buying that item at the store and then posting it on Amazon way above what that item would cost in the store. Again, 
the phone is your enemy when you're shopping online because we're busy doing different things, we're distracted, and we don't pay attention like we should to the price of the item we're clicking to buy. But know that at walmart.com, amazon.com, so many different websites, they now have third-party sellers. Those third-party sellers, generally the purchases you make from them are not guaranteed in most cases by the website you're buying from. There's nothing wrong with buying from a third-party seller. You just need to know. You need to know what your rights are to return an item. If there's a cost to return, is there a restocking fee? Any of the conditions that might vary from what you're normally expecting from the website you're buying from. Do you have the right with a place like Walmart, if you buy a third-party item, and it comes to you and it's not as represented, you don't like it, whatever, even if you do have the right to return it, can you drop it off at a Walmart store? Or do you have to go to the post office or UPS or FedEx and send it back? Know these things because the sales are now dominated on these websites by third-party sellers, not the site you're trying to buy from. We know that with eBay. We don't realize it with these other sites often. Okay, Jackie in Tennessee says, I ordered a pair of shoes from a very fancy retailer. The leather started cracking after two hours of wear. They were not exposed to heat, cold, or water. I reached out twice to their customer service, and both times they made it sound like I would receive a refund once their warehouse received the shoes. And both times the shoes were sent back to me with a letter denying a refund. They said the damage was normal wear and tear and not a manufacturer defect. From two hours of wearing. Two hours. My mistake was not reading the reviews before I bought the shoes because both reviews published gave them one star for the same issue I was having. I reached out to the manufacturer's customer care and they said they could do nothing because the shoe was not sold in their store. I'm furious because I'm out $100. I even wrote a review online giving the store and the shoe one star and the store has never published it. Is there anything left for me to do other than throw new shoes away and stop thinking about the $100 that I wasted? Yes, because this is a major retailer, you have a chance that they're worried about their reputation. I mean, they wouldn't even publish your review saying they were terrible to you. I would file a complaint with the Better Business Bureau, bbb.org, and I find often with major companies where you get customer no service and get blown off that a complaint to the Better Business Bureau gets results when you're dealing with a company that culturally thinks they're good people, but they're treating you badly. It seems to shake the money tree. And I want you to see, Jackie, if going to BBB.org, filing a complaint against this retailer if that will get you your money back. And uh, that's just terrible. Two-hour shoes. I've heard of (laughs) two-hour shoes that women wear. Those are the ones that are very uncomfortable, and you can wear them for two hours. I've never heard of that term being used for a shoe being worthless after two hours of wearing. Allison in Texas says, in the last five years, the toll roads have gotten pretty expensive, and it adds up taking it every day on the commute to the office. Do you think it's worth taking the tolls to save 15 minutes from on your drive time? 
However, avoiding the tolls gives me more time to listen to your podcast. My husband and I are big Clark fans. So thank you for that. Um, If you speed me up and you take the toll road, you can probably get all the content just speeding me up to like, what, one six, (laughs) one seven. Anyway, and I'll sound like Alvin and the chipmunks at at that speed. (laughs) Anyway. This is a dilemma more and more Americans are going to face in midsize and large markets where you're going to have the toll road directly next to the, the freeway. It's a mix of trying to figure out what your time's worth. So 15 minutes, what do you place as the value of 15 minutes? If it's a few dollars for the toll, do you consider that 15 minutes to be worth those few dollars, or is it better keeping those dollars in your pocket and going in the slow and go and stop and go traffic? I can't answer that for you. I can tell you there's a toll near where we do the podcast that in the afternoons goes as high as $27 for a 15-mile ride. But the time people save can be more than an hour. So what is your time worth? Uh, my time isn't worth $27 an hour. You've been on that toll road a lot. I have when I've taken road trips, but I would never, I mean, I actually might pay that much if it's going to delay me. I mean, that's incredibly high. I've never paid a toll more than like $2 on that. $2? Yeah. So you've been on that road, you've paid $2. Uh-huh. And how much time did it save you? Do you know? Uh, like a half an hour. Yeah. So... So that would make perfect sense in yeah. that example. Yeah. But paying 20 bucks or more, that would be a tough one to pay. But you hate traffic, so I, I question I, whether you really wouldn't take it. Well, how do I handle traffic? I get on navigation. I yes. see how long it's going to take to get somewhere, and I say, I'm just not going today. <laughs> Ken in California says, is the fuel at Sam's Club equal to the quality at Costco. Oh, this came up before. Um, we actually have an article about it on Clark.com. Yeah, Costco gas is top tier. Sam's Club gas is not top tier. Now, for those of you who know about this, top tier gas has to meet certain high standards that gas that is considered to be legal and proper to sell in a state does not necessarily meet. So Costco and certain other gasoline retailers will have signs typically at the pump saying that their gas is top tier, meaning that it is safer for your automobile and the rest. Um, Have I ever heard of people having problems with gas they bought at Sam's Club? One time we heard from someone on this podcast and Sam's took care of everybody who got bad gas in their vehicles and had to have uh, engine repairs of some kind. But it is just a margin of improved safety for your vehicle when you buy top-tier gas. Do I buy Sam's Club gas when I'm in a rental car? Yes. Uh, Rental car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounded horrible. (laughs) I'm an awful person. Well, the reason I said it like that is... I drive an electric car, so the only time I'm ever buying gas is when I'm in a rental car. So, But that, folks, is why you should never buy a used rental car. (laughs) Because people don't take care of it like they take care of their own Yeah, the old expression, 
No one ever washed a rental car. Yeah. I, I had a rental car recently that I'd been through a bad storm, and it looked so bad, ugly. And I was driving down one of those boulevards with all the neon signs, and there was a $5 car wash. And I'm like, should I really go and wash this car? I just felt so bad that I was turning it in all grimy and all that. I didn't wash it. Yeah, they wash them. I know, but I felt bad bringing it back. Not $5 bad. <laughs> Not $5 bad is so true. Oh, man. So it costs a lot more than $5 if you end up needing some form of long-term care later in life. And how are you going to pay for it? We're going to talk about that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So I've talked before about how we have a train wreck in the United States on how people, when they get older, are going to be able to get assistance as they might age and aren't able to take care of themselves like they were when they were younger. And in the United States, because we don't have any clear system about how to provide for people who need assistance later in life, what happens is in families, it falls very heavily to family members and especially women family members to provide that care to an older aging relative. Well, I had a question recently that came in from somebody who was like, I keep thinking about that question. What am I to do? I don't have relatives who can provide that care and I don't know how in the world I would provide for the cost of care if I needed it in a facility or at home or whatever. And this is a dilemma in many cases. There are people who maybe have kids, they don't want to be a burden to them, or they don't have kids, and they don't know how in the world they're going to be able to get the care they need. Well, as far as the government's concerned, the only care that's available through the government is from the Medicaid program, not Medicare, Medicaid, which requires that you be impoverished. And then the federal government and the state you live in share the cost, most paid by the feds, for you to be in a facility or a home that, where you're taken care of. It limits your options of the market of how many homes are available because a lot of them won't accept Medicaid. But that's generally the option is you end up totally broke. And then 
the state federal Medicaid program pays for the care. But there are other things you should consider, particularly if you are a middle income earner. Uh, One of the things is that there are still some sellers of long-term care insurance policies. These small number of sellers will sell you a policy with not guaranteed premiums. This is the problem, is it'll provide a benefit that typically will pay for three to five years of care later in your life, but the premiums can escalate over time. The insurers selling the insurance now have a much better sense of the risks and the actuarial costs than insurers did in the past. And so I'm not as worried about massive escalations and premiums for people who buy now versus people who bought 20 years ago that are seeing massive escalations in premiums. But again, the premiums are not guaranteed. Another thing that is commonly recommended is if you do own your own home, you can borrow against your home for the care you need in your home, and you do a reverse mortgage to do that. And that is a case where a reverse mortgage that I refer to as a last option becomes a good, potentially first option when you need assistance with living. Another thing that came up recently talking with a friend whose mom was needing to go into a facility and didn't have a lot of money is there are nonprofit, typically religious-based facilities that will admit you when you have funds to be admitted, but when you exhaust your funds, they don't kick you out. And so these nonprofit, religious-based facilities that tend to have different levels of care on a campus are probably my favorite strategy for you to consider. And usually they don't care what religion you are. Once they've admitted you to their facility, they're not going to put you out on the street when you can no longer afford to pay. For-profit facilities, when you run out of money, generally will put you out. And there have been ugly TV stories about infirm people put out on the curb at for-profit facilities. And uh, gosh, how heartless is that? So if you have limited funds, looking for a place that is a nonprofit that when you are tapped out, they provide care to you moving forward, uncompensated care as it's referred to, or maybe at that point they take the piddly amount that Medicaid pays and they keep you there for as long as you need to be there potentially the rest of your life. But this is a very, very hard area. Um, Some states are now coming up with their own insurance plans. The one that I talked about years ago is now, I think, in place in Washington State that is potentially a workable model. We'll see how the Washington State thing works in other states. But there's a payroll tax that you pay that goes into a fund to provide long-term care for you if you need it down the road. The ironic thing 
why Washington State did it is it ends up saving them a fortune on the state contributions they have to make to the combination federal-state Medicaid program by having people who basically are insured through a state vehicle for long-term care. And if it does work out, I think it will be the kind of thing that more and more states would adopt because we're an aging population. Okay, we're going to go to questions. What's your plan? Because you're awfully young to even be thinking about it. I need to think about it. No plan yet. No. It's okay. You're young. (laughs) Joe in Wisconsin says, Clark, is a Chromebook sufficient for doing basic bill pay and TurboTax? Yes. Not only is a Chromebook sufficient, I love my Chromebook. And it is so safe and so secure. The very structure of, of how a architecture of how a Chromebook works makes it a safer environment for doing sensitive financial stuff than you're going to have with a MacBook or a Windows computer. They're very, very streamlined. They are not subject to the hacking that MacBooks and Windows computers are. And so Chromebooks are cheap, simple to use. Gosh, they're a wonderful solution. So some of them you can download software on, right? So if, as long as you're using... Very minimal. But yeah, the, the idea... The TurboTax, you just need Turbo to make sure tax, you're doing you it Turbo you do online. the online version, basic bill pay, you're doing online version. The Chromebook is basically an online access machine. Lou in Nevada says, I'm looking for an older, reliable car for a student that they can purchase with cash like I did when I went to college. I bought one for $700. Parents cannot pay thousands of dollars for cars, even for themselves. You know, I I look at what's happened with used car prices over these three years since COVID, and it's a stunner. I mean, there are so many factors that are involved. And it's weird because, as you may recall, uh, early in COVID, the summer of twenty. Used car prices, inflation adjusted, hit like an all-time low. And then they boomeranged for a particular factors involving the rental car industry and production problems for new vehicle manufacturers. And the prices went bonkers. And even though they've come down some, used vehicle prices are still really, really high. So the only opportunity to find something that would be somewhat affordable for a student is to look for what's known as an orphan car. Do you know what that expression means? No. Discontinued brand name, Saturn, Pontiac, Oldsmobile, models that are completely unloved. Like uh, if the commute is short for a student, uh, the first generation Nissan Leaf would be an example. An older Chevy Volt would be an example, V-O-L-T. You're looking for a vehicle that the model no longer exists or the nameplate no longer exists. And it's got to be older, a lot of miles on it today. You said reliable. The problem is the age of vehicle you have to buy now to get the price way down 
is going to be older with enough miles on it that reliable would be a question mark. Jacqueline in Missouri says, I want to thank you for the callback I received from your Consumer Action Center about my 2017 Ford Escape's bad transmission. I listen to your podcast all the time, but I was hesitant when one of your volunteers called me back. She told me what to do. I was ready to go to war with Ford, but instead I did what she told me. I waited a couple of weeks before I reached out to the executives at Ford. I was afraid and did not believe anything was going to happen by going to the website as I was told to do. I'm so happy I got the nerve to send an email. I got a call back in a couple of days and boy was I happy after I talked to Ford and they talked to the dealer. I'm getting my transmission fixed and I'm happy with the results. Clark, I am so grateful for your help. I'm truly a believer in the Clark Howard Show. Well, actually, you're a believer in Team Clark's yes. Consumer Action Center that's been serving our fellow Americans for nearly 31 years with free one-on-one -on -one advice and guidance and direction. That direction obviously was very helpful to you. I'm so glad that your transmission is being repaired after you ran into a brick wall at first. And uh, a lot of times with bureaucracy, you just got to know how to push the right buttons to get heard and get a solution in place. And you were able to do so. What you'll learn is so much in life dealing with honest organizations that are very bureaucratic, polite persistence pays. And knowing what buttons to push in that large bureaucracy um, if you're dealing with a crook, somebody who's an unsavory character, fly-by-night contractor, a rip-off artist, whatever, none of those tactics work. But most often, when we're not getting results, it's not with a fly-by-night or a crook. It's with a larger organization that we feel like we can't get heard. And that's one of the things we really love being able to help people to do. And know that we serve you 30 hours each week with the Team Clark Consumer Action Center. If you go to clark.com slash CAC, you can learn what's available to you. And I want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. And I hope the rest of your day is wonderful. <laughs>